This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, I'm excited for today. This is the last episode of 2023. That's the right. Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. That's right. The last episode of 2023. We have RateFilter.ca's Andy Hill, who joined us in Kokomo Studios. This is great because Andy is one of those guys, yes. a student of the market, an investor, a guy who's literally used our seven ways to find a deal in any market to buy a place downtown, I right. should say. And he's on the front lines. Yeah, a smoking deal in Yelltown. Yeah, exactly. He's on the front lines, which is really interesting because 2023, I think, will go down as the year of trouble getting financing. Right. Would you say that's correct? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean... It's it's even right now. I think there's a lot more optimism. We're we're recording this just after the Fed kept their rate on pause and signaled that there's going to be uh, they're expecting three rate cuts next year in the U.S. I think Canada is ahead of the U.S. in terms of where we're at there. I feel like there's more optimism going into 2024, but that doesn't change the fact right now that the stress test still exists. You still have to qualify at nine percent or whatever it is. And it's it's really tough out there. And Andy is perfectly situated because if you're thinking about getting a mortgage, there's a good chance you're talking to Andy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a there's a ton of takeaways from today's episode. It really is. I think I think you nailed it. It's it's almost like a summary of the year that was in financing or lending. Right? People are, talk about how complicated it's been for realtors, but it's been very complicated for mortgage brokers <laughs> putting deals together finding money for people and also letting people know what they qualify and, and in many cases it's a lot less than you know you've qualified for previous in previous years right so a lot of hard conversations uh on that side of the industry yeah 100 percent. um but maybe we should just cut to this last episode of 2023 we'll be back a strong year planned a great episode for out of the gates in 2024 but this is our episode with andy hill enjoy this podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Okay, so we're here with Andy Hill, co-founder of RateFilter.ca. How you doing, Andy? Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for, for coming down to the studio today, Andy. Maybe for our listeners, can you start by telling everyone a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Being a mortgage broker here for close to 10 years and have kind of waded in the waters of discount mortgages. So, uh, you know, kind of spent the past nine years 
uh, at a couple different shops, kind of fielding the phones, taking online leads, and uh, yeah, kind of helping consumers get through what is a pretty stressful experience sometimes. Right. For people that don't know that discount market, what what exactly is that? How is it different than than you know yeah. a regular mortgage broker's world? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a there's a subset of people that want to look around for that lowest rate at all times. They're always kind of, you know, I almost like a truffle hound kind of looking for that lowest rate. You know, if you want to find, <laughs> uh, you know, if you want to find a camera or if you want to find a cheap flight, you know, you, you go to the internet and uh, you type in lowest mortgage rates online and you start getting shown discount brokerages. Um, Nesto's a big one that came up. They got tons of money these days. True North Mortgage is kind of the OG and I worked for them for four years. Rate Hub, another big one. And so you start to get kind of inundated with these sorts of ads when you start to type in lowest mortgage rates, Vancouver, lowest mortgage rates, Toronto. And then there's some sites that can like compare uh, some of these broker rates, uh, Wawa being kind of the biggest one up and coming right now. So basically you've been on the front lines, right? You're, you're, the, you're the guy who takes the call from somebody who's, let's say, I, I don't know if price sensitive is the accurate term, but, yeah, but is definitely shopper. looking rate shopper, looking for, for, the, uh, for the best deal. I, I feel like you're uniquely positioned to talk about how the mortgage market has shifted over the last year. Like yeah. what, how have the calls changed? What are the concerns people have? How's the mortgage market? Well, I mean, in the height of the pandemic, I was saying that I didn't field one call that wasn't, how can I hold on to my existing property, lever it up as high as I can, and buy a new property? No one wanted to let go of that other property. This year, I'd say I play more therapist than mortgage (laughs) broker. Oftentimes, you know, counseling on what to do in precarious situations. And there's a number of those out there right now. And maybe can we talk about some of them? What yeah. are what are what are you what are you seeing? Well, I mean, it's just been so tough for people. You know, there's two types of variable rate mortgages out there. Uh, there's an adjustable rate mortgage and a, a true variable rate mortgage. And the true variable rate mortgages are on mass in the sense that they're the major four of the five big banks right into a variable rate mortgage. So that's a static payment. So those individuals kind of were able to, you know, sit back, the amortization goes out, and then they start getting calls like, hey, got to increase those payments. You know, you got to catch up. Amortization, 65 years, um, <laughs> you know, and, and so like those started to roll in, I don't know, probably like eight months ago or so. And then before that, Everyone on an adjustable rate mortgage was really feeling the pinch, like straight up payments started to go up. They started to have that kind of, oh, shoot, I could have locked in 2%, you know, but I took 1.2 and now it's four, you know, and uh, it hurts. And uh, what can I do? And where are rates going to go? And there have been some tough conversations. I certainly did not nail this. I mean, I used to... Before being a mortgage broker, I traded crude oil futures out of my own account for a while and uh, took some wrong bets on that, lost a bit of money here and there, made some money too. But uh, had I bet on this rate change, like I would have been not living in Vancouver anymore. I'd be in probably Lethbridge or something, just trying (laughs) to hang on. So yeah, I mean, it was just like nobody really called this. No. The speed, the, yeah. So how aggressive the the increases were. It's, so just so I understand or the listeners understand, there's the five major banks, lenders that not everybody's using, but are the kind of the ones people will think of. Yeah. Four out of those five have variable rate product in which the payments did not go up. Right. Exactly. So, but I think everybody knows somebody who's had a mortgage product that, you know, Quarter point raise in interest rate from the Bank of Canada. Suddenly, prime rate goes up. Their rate goes up, and from for the last eighteen months or close to two years now, 
they were feeling the pinch, but yeah. everybody else was able to basically bury their head in the sand until very recently where it's like, okay, your amortization's out 70 years. You're not even covering your interest. You have deferred interest in a lot of cases and, and you have to make some changes and, and this is going to be bad news, right? So that those, th- those are the two situations you're talking about that totally. you've been fielding, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously there's been this little renewal wall where somebody, you know, who bought a property in 2017, 2018 on a five-year fixed, you know, given that's the most popular kind of mortgage, you know, probably wrote that at three and a half. And then we were talking about renewals at four and a half, five and a half, you know, and there are strategies to kind of keep that payment maybe lower by extending the amortization and other things like that. But, uh, yeah, there was, you know, on the variable rate, you can convert it at any time, right? So there was a lot of uncertainty for borrowers in that market, you know, because the variable was always effectively lower than the fixed up until just more recently, like maybe six months ago. Mm -hmm. So nobody wanted to lock in a higher fixed rate, but, you know, in hindsight, maybe that was the move. I mean, I often tell people that just like cost averaging in an RSP or or a stock or what have you, you know, your retirement, a variable rate mortgage is like a long-term strategy. And if you were a first-time homebuyer and you wrote at 95% loan to value in the pandemic and you took variable, like that's a tough start. But if you've been a homeowner for the past 20 years and you've rode this whole wave down, yeah, you're giving a little bit of it back. But who knows what's going to happen? Sure. You might as well just ride this thing out as sure. long as you can stay solvent. Right. And we were just talking before we push play here, push record. Uh, Dustin Woodhouse was on the program recently and his tagline was, the variable rate is back and so am I. Yeah. Which uh, is, is there some truth to that? Do you think the variable rate is back? Totally. I mean, especially like at bigger banks, the discounts are a little tight, but uh, certainly at you know, if you can get a decent discount to prime given the outlook today and, and, and again, looking at it as a long-term strategy, yeah, like variables, a fine, a fine route as with any cost averaging strategy, you know, us mortals can't really, you know, pick a top or pick a bottom. It's just about kind of like maintaining and, and variable inherently has certain benefits. I mean, it's a three month interest penalty to break it. You can convert it to a fixed at any time. So like those benefits do generally kind of like outweigh a lot of the uh, kind of additional costs that maybe like a fixed could have, especially if you locked in a five-year fix today at a big bank at 6%. If the rate goes down to four and in like two years, you're going to be looking at, you know, massive penalties to get out of that. Right. So can we talk about, so last week, and, and, I, and I think a lot of people are maybe confused at how this how this makes or makes sense or how the bond yield informs what's going to happen with the five-year fix. But at least last week on my Instagram, uh, every mortgage broker on the planet called that we're going to see five-year fixed rates come down this week. And I should timestamp it. It's November 7th today. Yeah. Can you explain how the relationship there, how it works and why why and and are we seeing the five-year fix come down this week? Totally. Yeah. It's funny. The U.S. Fed has a lot more bar, like it, it changes our rates more than the Bank of Canada. So when Dustin was on, I think it was the day that the Bank of Canada paused and bond yields were kind of muted. There wasn't a huge amount of change. The following week, the U.S. Fed came out and they mentioned a pause and yields are down like 50 bips. So it, you know, we are kind of, it, it's such a global marketplace and, you know, the five-year bond, Rob McLister, who's like a, you know, a, a great publicist and, and writing a ton on the mortgage space right now, he prefers the four-year swap. And, and if you look at uh, like the, if you, if you Google like Canadian interest rate forecast, you can get a bit of a probability chart that kind of shows you what that expect, like the expected rates are going to do. And that's the kind of like the forward pricing mechanism that you know, on the back end, a mortgage, albeit is a liability to the consumer, it's a it's an asset to the bank, 
But the bank doesn't just, I mean, we saw that with Silicon Valley Bank, like kind of mismanaging some exposures. So banks are going to go in and they're going to hedge in the bond market. And so usually they're hedging like these large amounts daily based on mortgage origination. And that is, you know, they're doing that in the bond market. So wherever that yield is trading, they're kind of positioning their pricing around that. And, and, but so if I understand, basically the, the long and short is the quote unquote positive news around inflation and the Bank of Canada didn't have that big of an effect, but the, the Fed paused. There's kind of a, a brighter outlook, uh, not a brighter outlook. People are thinking we're over the worst of it now. And therefore, we saw yields come down, which means we're moving into a lower interest rate environment for that fixed rate. Yeah. And, and fixed rates always lead variable rate mortgages. So, you know, the Bank of Canada is always going to signal the bond market is going to change and, and trade daily, right? There's like so many billions of dollars being exchanged amongst, you know, there's probably like 10 guys on a trading desk doing most of the volume, but, uh, you know, they're basically, you know, changing that pricing out of narrative and out of forecasts. And then the Bank of Canada is going to come out and they're going to, you know, do a cut or something like that. And that's going to then, you know, further push, push the bond market in, in a certain direction. For, for our listeners, what is the four-year swap? The four-year swap, I mean, oh, I, I need Rob to really give me the rundown on what that is. <laughs> but, you know, that's his preferred mechanism. It is like a five-year bond yield, but it, it's like a four-year swap. I, I mean, I, I'm not, not so deep on the technicality right. of actually what it is, but it is, it is a similar trading mechanism as the five-year bond yield. He mentions a number of times that that, that is you know, a bit more of a leading indicator of, gotcha. of you know, change in rates. He's great on Twitter. Oh, he's great. Yeah. So just going back to, to the, the market, I mean, it's, it's a little bit challenging to, to kind of parse exactly what's happening because it feels like there's, and I think this is, this is always seems like it's a, a positive sign in my mind where, well, positive might be a little bit of an overstatement, but the headlines seem to be, increasingly negative. It feels like we've kind of been in purgatory for the last two years. Every, you know, the recession that's not coming and what, you know, that didn't show up. It seems like it's kind of here, right? It seems like we're in, we're suddenly in a much worse place than we were, say, three months ago. But we have the, the pause at the Bank of Canada. We have yields coming down, which the fixed rates will come down. How, how do you see this playing out over the next three, six, nine months or a year in the mortgage market with renewals and just people looking to buy real estate? Like, how does this play out in your mind? I mean, right now we're looking at, you know, as kind of a steady decline in rates out to 2026. I mean, the the forward curves this morning, we're looking at, you know, 175 basis points off the Bank of Canada rate by like late 26. They're looking at maybe a couple cuts in late 24. One of the really tough things to know is, you know, since the financial crisis, rates have remained low for a very long time. And, you know, since, you know, our parents kind of, you know, waved their bat and said, oh, you know, 18, 20% interest rates, you know, uh, it's just been a steady decline for years. And, you know, in my opinion, the jury's still out on if we've gone through like a secular shift. And this means that inflation is going to kind of run hot. And the central banks, albeit this might be a cyclical top, may have to return to to higher rates to kind of keep things at bay. Right. Basically, the higher for longer, more volatility. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, like, I think we're going to see rates come down here for a bit. The question is for how long? And then, you know, we, I think we see it day to day, right? Like union contracts are being renewed at higher rates. Like people want more money because things cost more. Therefore, it, it like kind of reinforces itself right. a little bit. And that kind of creates this like underlying bid on inflation. And, you know, I think that that's the hardest thing to know is, 
you know, I think like six to eight months, it looks pretty rosy. Rates are going to come down, should be a good spring market, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but beyond that, it's going to be interesting to know if this is like a global thing, because it is a global thing. I mean, all central banks just ran the money printer real hot there for a while. And, you know, how long are we going to be paying for that? It's kind of the question. Right. So just to to spell it out, like, and my understanding of a variable rate mortgages and the benefits of them, and we've talked about it a lot on the show, and you've kind of outlined them here, make a lot of sense. But but they've always made a lot of sense to me in fairly stable environments. But what you're outlining here is is basically choppy waters ahead, right? Like, yeah. like it might actually, there may be a strategy that I don't think we've ever really talked about before or hasn't been used in my mind that frequently where people are basically looking for the, that using a variable rate to time volatility in the market to lock in at those low rates because it's it's moving it's there's no steady kind of predictable rate environment for I, the next yeah I definitely agree okay I, so there might be so then a variable right now makes sense in part because we're probably at the top what it seems like but also because that gives you the flexibility to to be very focused on the market over the next couple of years and maybe lock in. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I've always said like, if you can get a discount on the variable prime less one, you know, or greater, which is a great discount to prime. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're kind of riding the wave of all, all the commercial real estate out there, uh, you know, all the banks out there, you know, everything is effectively variable for the majority of those people. And so you're kind of playing the big money game at that point. Right now, as we know, like commercial real estate is tough, you know, and Vancouver's the new Calgary. So uh, we're going to see like what happens over the long term, I think, as that kind of changes. I haven't heard that tagline yet. I'm not Vancouver's sure I like it. Vancouver's the new Calgary. <laughs> Vancouver's the new Calgary. Just as sunny. Just as sunny. <laughs> Just as sunny. I guess, Andy, a lot of investors, it seems, have moved to the sidelines. It's very, we were just talking about this yesterday, but it's, it's funny how like, you know, for the last call it forever, real estate investing in Vancouver has been, you know, a topic where it's like, oh yeah, I'd love to, you know, like think about the people you were talking about that were trying to hang on to all of their real estate and buy more totally uh, not very long ago. Right. And now it seems like, you know, at least if you go on Twitter, it's crazy to buy anything. Yeah. Does real estate investing still make sense in, in your mind? I think so because Although real estate is interest rate sensitive, inflation, in my opinion, is, you know, the constant devaluation of our good old loonie. And so, you you know, at the end of the day, as the loonie gets less and less value, hard assets like real estate become more and more valuable. It's, it's tough because obviously a lot of real estate is pegged to what people can pay for it as a mortgage. But you know, there's so much home equity out there. I was listening to somebody yesterday and I think like, yeah, 45%, 50, 45%, I think of uh, mortgages in Vancouver don't have a mortgage. So, you know, those guys couldn't care less if rates are at 20% or if rates are at 1%. I mean, they're just hanging on. We just talked to Bo Jarvis that will be out on the show by the time we, we, uh, we launch, but he was saying in the presale market, the president of, of West Group, in the presale market, what they're hearing is exactly that. People are buying pre-construction right now, uh, not necessarily because they're expecting the values to go way up, but it's more a hedge against inflation. Definitely. So you're, you're basically saying the same thing, that real yeah. estate right now makes sense as a hedge. Yeah. I mean, I was just in Sudbury, Ontario on Sunday, you know, the home of the big nickel. And uh, I was out for breakfast with a number of people that, you know, lived in Sudbury for years and like replacement cost on like a suburban 1500 square foot home is like a million bucks to build it. It's like, well, you know, it's a million bucks to build a suburban home in Sudbury. Like, and market value is probably like 300,000 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, it's below though. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, and I mean, in Vancouver, we suffer from this, right? Which is this like massive need to come in and, and restore homes and, you know, this upzoning thing, but how much does it cost to convert a single family home to four townhomes? I mean, 
you know, those, those homes can't sell for less than, you know, one five for to make like economic sense. So I don't know, we're, we're living in a weird time and, uh, either, you know, this is a secular shift and money becomes something that is very meaningful and therefore, you know, prices do correct. But I, I do think over the long term, up and to the right is just, it's how the whole economy works. Like if, if things don't appreciate, like the pension funds don't make their money. And that's kind of the narrative of the entire thing. That's why we're all kind of kicking it every day. So for people that put in with you up and to the right is kind of the way things work, <laughs> but they're struggling right now. And they either have a renewal coming up in the next year or two, or they're dealing with, you know, those, that, that call from the bank where they've, their amortization is out and they got to make some changes. What are maybe a couple different strategies? Like what, what should people be thinking about to, to hold on to their real estate, to be able to hold on to their real estate and get through a more trying period? Yeah. I had family back in the eighties that, uh, eighties, early nineties that owned a bunch of property up around Whistler and, uh, they got shook out in that high interest rate environment. And, you know, they had to declare bankruptcy, lost the places. And, you know, we all know how that went pretty good. Uh, so, um, not, not for them, but for, for Whistler, for Whistler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you know, I've, I've just been telling people like, it's important just to remain in a bit of a holding pattern, you know, and, and do whatever you can to not make drastic change in what could be, you know, a cyclical time. And, we might not be out of the woods. Like, you know, if you, if you look back to that cycle in the late eighties, early nineties, that was like a six year cycle, right? It, it hit, it went away, it hit again. And so like, it might not be easy coming up. We've seen a lot of people start moving to, you know, alternative financing, private financing, and as a short-term solution to like, get yourself out of it. If you've got the equity, you know, like, you know, a 200 K second, albeit at 12% right. might hurt, but it's only 200K. So, you know. And, and can you play out exactly how that works? So you, a second mortgage for 200K to get to get over the hump at a higher rate, there's no stress test. Nope, no stress test. So can you, can you yeah. kind of spell exactly out what, yeah, so, what somebody would do there? Yeah, so let's say you're sitting on a, I don't know, $2 million Vancouver home and you wrote an $800,000 first and it's up. 40% in payment or 60% in payment and you're, you're squeezed, you know, you're having a tough time. Well, you know, you could come in with a second, run it up to like 1.1, something like that. Uh, so you get, maybe that's 300 K, but, uh, you know, that would, that would get you kind of through, through maybe the hump of this. And then, you know, hope. But, and, and just to be clear for listeners, so you would, so you're, you're feeling, you have a first mortgage on the property. Yeah. You're feeling pinched. You need money. Yeah. So how does that work? You go, you go in and you qualify for a second mortgage? No qualify, really. It's uh, as long as you got a house with equity and you can appraise it and you're less than 65% of the value of the home combined. So taking the first and the second together, you know, lenders are going to do that all day long at best rates. So, and then somebody out there is saying, okay, but wait a second, I can't make my payments as it is, or I'm having trouble making my payments as it is. I'm taking out a second mortgage. How does that, how does that work to alleviate the, the pressure? I mean, it, it digs the hole a little deeper, certainly. I mean, if you go out and you buy a boat and you go to Italy or you, you know, sure. you, these things aren't going to be, you know, you, you'll run through that 300 K pretty fast, but, uh, you know, if you lose, use it to kind of just like get yourself through, um, you know, you look out on the horizon and you think, okay, well, you know, Vancouver real estate say six to 10% appreciation on the whole asset over time, you, you know, you may be able to like, that might just be a, a small flesh wound in the future. And, you know, you still got to pay that debt off. I mean, at the end of the day, debt is there to, I mean, the, the root word of mortgage is death pledge, right, you know, mortgage right, is, right. is death as we know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a friend of the show has a, a tattoo with de death, death pledge. pledge? Yeah. Oh man, that's a great one. No, no connection to mortgage. Oh no, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh, nice. No, it, it is connected to mortgage. Nice. 
<laughs> yeah. I almost thought, thought about an alt brand called Death Pledge Mortgage, but I didn't think it would no, get a ton of... No, 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 no. Didn't think it would get a ton of... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It seems morbid whether it is or not. Yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> but so, yeah, I mean, you got to pay this debt off at the end of the day, right? So you, you got to figure out an exit strategy. But, you know, if a lot of that asset, a lot of the net asset for a family is is in the home... You know, you also just have to get through this time to maybe rose your waters. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the the funny thing about low interest rates is that when you're looking at like an amortization schedule and you write a mortgage at two and a half percent, you know, 70% of your mortgage payment is going towards principal. But most people, when the rates were really low, were all about just levering up as much as they could when actually, you know, we should have been kind of Dave Ramseying and paying off that mortgage as quickly as possible at that point in time. So it's somewhat counterintuitive, but at this stage, you probably, I, I mean, you can make lump sums to drop that mortgage principal down. That's nice, but you don't really want to be like paying too much more. You want to be kind of like making sure that you're solvent. Hey, everyone. Pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. This podcast is sponsored by Common Ground Consulting. Are you developing in the Lower Mainland? Common Ground Consulting is a development management and consulting company with experience in single family, townhouses, multifamily, and commercial developments. What I love about Common Ground, Adam, is they manage the whole development process from due diligence and feasibility reports for initial purchase of land to completing rezoning, development permits, and building permits. They streamline the whole process with strong relationships with sub-consultants and municipalities and a deep understanding of all city requirements. Common Ground Consulting. Feasibility and efficiency prioritized every step of the way. Learn more at commonground-consulting.com or 604-807-6419. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. I really like Dave Ramsey used as a verb. (laughs) (laughs) Um, can we talk a little bit about like opportunities in the market? Like what what are the opportunities right now? If you're a fan of Calgary, aren't you, Andy? Yes. Yeah. And, you guys and, help me out there. And, yeah. Like if you're, you're kind of monitoring, you're a real estate investor, you're monitoring the market, like where are you seeing opportunities and maybe start in the lower mainland, maybe talk about the province yeah. and Western Canada. I mean, I think just like across the board, we haven't seen this level of like distress for homeowners for a really long time. And as you guys know, being the, you know, the bastions of how to find a good deal, you know, like no pictures, no staging, you know, quick sale, anything that kind of fits that boat means that the majority, like the individual selling has got to get out quick and there's a reason for it. You know, you can do title searches on homes and see if they're levered up on second and third mortgages because, you know, people were levered up on that stuff in the pandemic. So, you know, somebody that's been there already, like those individuals are now at the point where they've got to make like a distressed sale. So in terms of like opportunity, I've actually like taken a little bit of a step back in terms of looking at real estate. I get very, you know, like the rate shopper or like anything, I get very like deep into looking at at real estate when I do. Um, Haven't really been as focused on that with the new site build, but yeah, I, I think just for like consumers in general to like use your strategies that you've you've shared on the podcast multiple times to just look in whatever market they're looking for because there are going to be deals, mm-hmm, right? And I, I often say like December, January, and February, that is when, especially Vancouver, I mean, it doesn't look too rosy. You know, August, everyone wants to live here. December, people are like wanting to get a ship home. So, you know, around that time is generally when I find liquidity is lower, but usually you can get a much better deal. You know, it is interesting because, uh, you know, people, and for years, you always have people calling and asking, I'm looking for the distressed seller. 
And there hasn't been that many distressed sellers. Like that, that's one thing. There are they always exist. Yeah. But I do think like the this point about, you know, there's people that are really, really pinched right now in a way that I, I don't think we've seen in in at least the last decade. I'm seeing some, and this is just anecdotal, but I'm seeing some some agents testing the really, really aggressively low priced, like setting up setting up for multiple offers. Right. And they're flopping so hard. Yeah. And and I think there's an opportunity there to come in and even pay above what they're asking, but totally. still get a below market deal. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's funny, but a lot like we're so trained in Vancouver to think, oh, if we can't go X or amount or pay yesterday's price for whatever, we shouldn't even offer because there's it's too competitive. But I feel like if you show up now, there's an opportunity for you on those on those multiple offer situations. Definitely. It's um, such a weird, it is a, it's a, it's a weird thing to, to think, but the, uh, the actual bait price is now potentially the opportunity. Well, the yeah. other thing right now is there's so few, so many buyers have kind of without the investors and with people having a tough time making sense of flips and stuff like that with, yeah. with costs, uh, the renovation costs, the distress, like the truly distressed, like foreclosure sales as well. Yeah. I'm seeing uh, like there's insane opportunities and then we've talked about this on the program before, but not not at length. But the idea of of like the estate sales or multiple yep. multiple like family members involved with like a power of attorney, yep. seeing opportunities there right now as well. Just because I think people, you would you would think people have um, financial issues going on in their personal life, and if they're selling another property that's co-owned, first of all, they're willing to take. You know, they're they're thinking about their profit as a percentage, which yep. means they'll negotiate typically more. But at the same time, and by a percentage, you mean so three people, three on people on five hundred thousand, but each of them are getting one hundred and seventy or something like sure. that. Sure. Yeah. And so if if they drop the price by forty grand, it's like, well, I can deal with yeah. whatever it is, seven 10 or twelve, ten, grand, ten grand or twelve grand or whatever it is, right? But then in addition to that, the pressure on them on everybody, kind of individually, financially you want that sale done and dusted yeah. and you want to move on. So it's like, Definitely. I feel like you're, you're, you're nailing it in the sense of, of, I think right now it's like it's individual circumstances, but it's being able to recognize it. Yeah. I like that idea of, of, of pulling title. Yeah. Um, you know, and seeing, because that's the other thing is if somebody has like a second, a second mortgage maybe, or like a, a line of credit that's maxed, yeah. you know, it could be an indication of why they're looking to sell. Oh, Definitely. Yeah. Seeing mortgages that were written in the pandemic, you know, you can kind of get a sense of, okay, well, maybe they got themselves a bit over their skis. And then seeing something with a second or even a third charge on there, I mean, you're starting to really get a sense of what's what's going on on the seller side. Right. The title tells a story. Also, obviously, <laughs> the assignment market, right? I think yeah. that's the other oh, area right now where, you know, I feel like it's it takes a little bit more energy. Yeah, uh, because it's not necessarily just scrolling MLS and you're going to see everything, but you have to know where to look. But um, there's people out there speaking again over your skis. Like we're, we're seeing below uh, contract price on yeah. assignments in oh, for sure. cases right yeah. now, right? So yeah, and for downtown product and for really nice product. So it's it yeah, assignments are, are a huge opportunity. Andy, of course, um, you've been in the mortgage uh, game for a long time, but we did introduce you as co-founder of RateFilter.ca. Can you tell us a little bit about the site? I, I was using it, and you described it to me as the Expedia of of the mortgage world. Can you tell us a little bit about it and and how it's different from some of the other sites you named earlier? Yeah, as somebody that's bought leads for many moons and being on the front lines, you know, deep in the trenches, you know, we, we oftentimes would field a number of different calls. And it's on these low rate sites that you're seeing online, there are great low rates that you can find. And sometimes you might find yourself being able to apply and qualify for that product. But a lot of the times that low rate that you're seeing online advertised through a brokerage is going to be an insured mortgage. Or as we chatted about before, an insurable mortgage, which gets into a whole bunch of other technical jargon. But what we've tried to do is show the lenders up front instead of, you know, kind of trying to disguise it through a broker, 
uh, showing this really low rate. We're trying to give people the ability to search for the type of mortgage that fits their parameters within a certain scope and, and allow them to kind of tap into lower rates, presumably. I mean, we just went through this time when like all the credit unions in Vancouver were like, I don't know, a month behind on pricing. And so like GNF Financial had like a 469, I don't know, four months ago on an insured five-year fixed and everyone else was like over five. And, uh, but who'd heard of GNF Financial? I mean, like, you know, Gulf and Fraser, they've been around for a while, but like they're not advertising too much, a little bit more these days. But, uh, you know, like these are the types of kind of products that we're trying to allow a user to self-select into and then, you know, do some comparisons on the on the terms and types and features and that sort of thing. Do you do any, is there any coaching on the, on the terms on the policy? So that, that, is there that step? We're, we're working on it, we've kind of like dumped a lot of that information into the site. So you can kind of click in and compare different mortgage types and different features. But, you know, that comment that we had earlier about like the adjustable rate versus variable rate, you know, we'll show you that. Or, you know, the prepayment privileges, you know, we'll show you that. Because you literally, like I, when I was messing around on ratefilter.ca, I I put in, okay, owner-occupier, the down payment. And it's literally like the different, you're getting different rates, but you're also seeing the lenders, which I think is interesting. Like it's like, oh, suddenly there's only three options for me. And, you know, one yeah. was some company I'd never even heard of. <laughs> well, exactly. And, and and that's just it. Based on location and based on your specific situation, you know, the database is, we're working on it. Like right now, I think we've got like 73 lenders in there. If you go across Canada, there's probably like 400. In terms of like rental properties, we're like super light on that right now, just because we've been focusing on trying to get some of the lower owner-occupied rates in there. And even like uninsurable rates, which we've kind of, you know, chatted about a bit before the show, but, you know, uninsurable rates, it gets a little murkier in terms of pricing, you know, so it's a little tougher to like give somebody that uninsured pricing directly, but we're trying to do our our best at the moment. But if somebody goes on there and to Adam's point about coaching, somebody goes on, sees a product that looks pretty good, they're still going to be able to connect with you or one of your team yep. and understand exactly what yeah. that looks like. Yeah. And and Andy, so, you know, I'm thinking, I remember reading a study about that people choose banks largely because of who their parents banked with yeah. in many cases. So there's a lot of people out there that want the warm hug of like TD Bank or RBC or whatever. What do you say to those people when they're looking at like a GNF mortgage or, or maybe a more independent uh, outfit? Yeah. So there's a few things to look out. I, I often say that there's like a mortgage life cycle. So, you know, if you're a first time home buyer and you're purchasing with less than 20% down, which I mean, in the lower mainland for us, that's not as common because things are often over a million and it's tough to get that kind of less than a million pricing and therefore it's impossible to get less than 20%. So, but you know, there are still condos and things that you can buy for less than, uh, less than a million. And therefore you can come at it with a, you know, a five, 10, 15% down payment at that stage in your mortgage life cycle. You don't really need to think too much about the lender because your mortgage is insured by the government. You know, you do need to think about the features, but your main goal is to kind of Dave Ramsey that mortgage over the next, you know, three to five years. <laughs> and you that means aggressively pay, pay it down it for, for yeah. people who haven't heard of Dave, Dave yeah. Ramsey. <laughs> you, you want to pay that thing down such that at renewal, you can, you know, you have a ton of options, right? So that is the goal of like, that's kind of your infancy of your mortgage life cycle. And then as you kind of, you know, be it, you come at a purchase with, you know, inherited money or something like that. And all of a sudden you got a lot of equity in the home. You know, that's when you start to get into some different considerations in that mortgage life cycle. And you can start to look at larger bank brands mainly around that stage as they do provide a lot of benefit in terms of like readvanceability, real estate investing, and all that sort of stuff. Right. Um, like I'm pretty sure a few of us at this table might have a Scotia Step product. And so it, it's a great product. I mean, mm-hmm. like you're never going to have to requalify. You can always readvance those funds. I mean, you can play bank at that point, but if you've got 5% equity in the home, 
you're you're not playing bank. That's not that's not an option. I think everybody at this table has at least a step. Yep. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at you, Andy. If, if you do, then I think we all do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and maybe as a final question, Andy, before if we get to the five wire, if you can stick around for that. Totally. So just thinking about the market, like any thoughts on what the next, what uh, the balance of this year, 2023, and and maybe next year, 2024 looks like in the real estate market? I think it looks good. Uh, you know, the narrative for central banks is going to be a lower yield, I think, uh, barring any large surprises to the market. I think beyond that, it starts to get a little murky in terms of where things go. But I, you know, there's a huge renewal wall coming up here in 24, 25, and 26. 60% of mortgages in Canada are going to renew. And so there's, you know, there's going to be some people that want to get out uh, at the stage. So, you know, I think that that's going to increase liquidity. And then I think there's going to be a number of people that want to get in. I mean, there's, there's a whole generation of people that haven't bought real estate yet. There's a huge like wealth transfer in Canada that's going to start happening from, you know, the 75, 85 plus generation. And so I think as soon as we start to get a little bit of light at the end of this, what's been a pretty dark tunnel, I think we're probably going to start to see things pick up a bit. And that's actually something I I don't know if we've actually talked about on the show, but Interesting when you say good, you basically mean like we've had it's basically been a log jam, right? For yeah. a couple of years, easy, where it feels like purgatory, but people haven't necessarily had to sell because the renewal hasn't come to fruition yet. I do think the demand is there. We saw in the spring when there seemed like there's some light, suddenly uh the market was fairly robust. I mean, it, especially because there was low inventory. But what you're suggesting by good is actually just in in a lot of ways, a lot more transactions because there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, also potentially more inventory and some, you know, we'll see some people making moves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing about the Vancouver real estate market specifically is that it really just goes like no bid and sellers just hold. You know, we've seen that in West Van for, you know, what, since like 2016? <laughs> so, <laughs> just a foreign buyer tax. <laughs> yeah, well, Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, I mean, my whole narrative on Vancouver, you know, I grew up in Toronto. I kind of think Vancouver is like Toronto in the 90s. Uh, I was just back there and, you know, it's crazy. Um, You know, they're going to bring in another 500,000 people for the next few years. People are going to continue to come here. It certainly is one of the nicest places in Canada to live. So, you know, over time, a lot of that stuff starts to work its way through. And, you know, there's so much home equity that a lot of people haven't been forced to sell, but as that demographic ages, you know, goes into the probate or what have you, I mean, we're, we're going to start to see some of that inventory turnover mm-hmm. and, it, you know, there are going to be people waiting to buy. I mean, there's lots of people on the sidelines. Couldn't agree more. Five Wire. Can you stick around? Totally. Excellent. The Five Wire is brought to you by Scalina Real Estate. Hey, that sounds familiar. Scalina Real Estate is a full service real estate company serving Vancouver, offering comprehensive tried and tested buyer and seller systems. With over a decade in the top 10% of realtors in the lower mainland and a perfect five-star Google review, Scalina Real Estate can help with all your real estate needs. We also have an extensive network of the best industry professionals and trades right across the country. There's no reason to not get in touch. Head over to scalinarealestate.com to find out more. Question number one, what is one book that you've read recently that you would recommend for all of our listeners? Uh, well, I'll go into a sales book because, you know, I love the, uh, love the sales stuff. Um, (laughs) there's a book from Earl Nightingale, which, I mean, it sounds like it's being recorded on like, uh, I don't know, one of those like old timey records. I was going to say Earl Nightingale. That's got to be at least a hundred oh, years old. It's classic. <laughs> it's classic. It's called Lead the Field. And it's great. I mean, it's really cool. Uh, you know, some of these guys were, were like mystics of like the 1920s, in my opinion. And uh, so he's literally from, this is like a book. From, oh yeah. It's, okay. It's ancient. I was going to say, cause I don't know anything about Earl Night- Nightingale. I just know that that name doesn't exist anymore. Oh, it's old. <laughs> it's an old one. Uh, and he was definitely like a smoker or something cause he's got a raspy voice, but it's all like audio that he recorded. It's on audible. It's really good. It's just cool. Like it, it, it all just kind of talks about, you know, you are what you think. And a lot of this stuff is, is tenure, you know, be it real estate investing, be it in a variable rate mortgage, any of this stuff is just having an intention 
hanging on, you know, having a vision. And, and again, like maybe it always doesn't work out in your favor, but again, if you, if you keep on kind of pushing in one direction, if you keep on doing those daily activities, you know, you, you're going to come out ahead. It's great. In the last few years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? I'm a big, more recently, I mean, uh, you guys, uh, you know, using some of the tactics on this show got me into a pretty nice condo downtown. And uh, since living in that condo, there's a pool and a steam room and what I would say maybe like the coldest showers in the city. And so, you know, I kind of go for a swim and then I hop in this steam room and I go like, you know, like 10 minutes in the steam room. And then I go five minutes in this like ice cold shower and then back in the steam room and then back in the ice cold shower. And uh, your own cold plunge. I know. I know. I'm actually going to try to get Strata to, uh, to do invest in a uh, cold plunge, but uh, we're, uh, we're just doing the. Did you say a bathtub? I, I said in a tub. Oh, yeah. a tub. Cold plunge. Okay. Yeah. Which I, I mean, the cold plunge is sweet. I, I think that's the next step. I'm, f- I'm following this uh, Instagram account, this company out of the States that does like those like wood barrel style saunas nice. and the cold plunge tubs and they're incredible. But oh. anyways, yeah, it's uh, I can, I don't cold plunge myself, but, but <laughs> yes. the sauna steam Sp- sounds pretty good. Yeah. What have you been binge watching lately or a favorite movie recommendation? Well, Dustin brought up The Wire the other day and uh, it got me thinking about this show that it, it's actually just finished but it's called Snowfall. It's, oh, it, I heard about, yeah, I, I actually, I started that. It was good. Yeah, it, it's, it takes a little bit. I mean, it's no wire, let me tell you that. But uh, similar sort of vibe. Uh, South Central LA, the rise of like the narcos and them bringing stuff in and the rise of like how, you know, crack cocaine was produced. Uh, yeah. Right. Apparently the book the, the the corner is that the book? Do you know? Oh that, yeah, that the wire was based oh, on. Yeah. I just heard that as a book recommendation. Oh on a cool. Podcast, but I haven't. Uh, I looked for it on Audible. But anyways, something or sorry, favorite band or music? Um, I'm a big mix guy. I like a good mix. So you know how there was SoundCloud. Um, there's something called MixCloud, and uh, for the past like eight years, uh, there's this guy from Brussels, Lefto. I don't know. It's like hip hop. It's jazz. Um, but is it all one? Yeah, it's like a it's oh, like a man. two hour strap yourself in. Yeah, can, yeah. can you get it on Spotify or am I? No, it's, uh, it's, it's on Mixcloud. So uh, I think we're all around the same age. We talk quite a bit about Jive Bunny and the Master Mix <laughs> on this <laughs> nice. on this show. Yeah, or not on this show in our office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So why why are we disclosing this? What a weird, what a weird topic of conversation. You basically described Jive Bunny. But Jive Bunny was a weird, like, I mean, it was like Roger Rabbit. Like it was a, it was a weird concept. Like it's almost like, it's weird to think back that that existed. (laughs) But anyways, this sounds much, much hipper. Yeah. 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 It's pretty hip. It's, uh, it's great. I mean, it's kind of like new hip hop, new jazz. There's a band called Bad, Bad, Not Good out of Toronto. Uh, They're like a jazz band. Trio that did the beats for Ghostface Killer, uh, Killa, I guess. Uh, and, <laughs> There's no hard uh, R. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyways, I, I like, I, I kind of like that kind of stuff. So, Lefto, Mixcloud. Lefto, Mixcloud. Okay. Awesome. Last but not least, Andy, something you have purchased for under $1,500 in the last little bit that has changed your life or had, or at least had a positive impact. Well, I drive like a 2013 Subaru Outback, which, uh, you know, if, this was 15, 20 years ago. I probably would have sold it and bought a new car, but uh, it still had like the regular dash unit in there. And I just replaced it with a dash unit that has uh, CarPlay. And oh, yeah. like CarPlay is unreal. It's like <laughs> your whole, I mean, like, I feel like I just transported myself oh my to God. the future. You know what? Actually, it's funny that you say that because a tree fell on my car about eight months ago and it just got fixed, but the loner car didn't have Apple CarPlay. Right. And I was like, oh my God, this is like torture. Oh, like that's, you'd buy, you almost, you'll buy a car now. I feel like we've actually talked about this. Well, it's, yeah. A car is now it's like the Apple CarPlay and, and those aspects are actually more important than the car. Yeah. 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 I'm on an Android system and now my daughter who's four years old will scream from the back seat like Google play right. Rafi on, on Spotify or whatever. And it's, and it, your so car is on an Android system. Yeah. It's on the like Google system. Oh, Android auto. Android yeah. Auto. Yeah. Yeah. 
Which uh, CarPlay, I don't, I've never actually had a car with CarPlay. Oh I mean, CarPlay God. is an option. I wonder if it's a, yeah. You're disclosing that here? Yeah. I, <laughs> but I'm a Google Play Drive funny. You're, 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 you have an 86 Cressida? <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. a, green, a green text message box. We, we know you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm an athlete. You can user, let but. Siri take the wheel, which is uh, <laughs> one of my like wife's favorite things to say. And and you actually go down all these like cool new routes that you never would have thought, you know, you're like, Oh, I think this is fastest. And you know, if you're Wait, always using, what, what is not, this? it doesn't actually drive your car, but, but you uh, say but, Siri, take the wheel. Well, no, no. Like I think that was just it's more still of a 2013 a, Subaru, <laughs> man. <laughs> Siri, Siri can't literally take the wheel. No, but, is that, but does that actually just give no. you a new map? No. Yeah. Or? Yeah. If you just wrote yourself on, on maps, yeah. you know, my wife just says it's, it, you know, she refers to it as Siri, take the wheel. And I, I don't know. I <laughs> I thought it was a pretty funny way to say it. It's a pretty great yeah. thing to say. And Siri, uh, <laughs> take the, the wheel. wheel. Can yeah. you, you can say that on any Apple CarPlay. Yeah, and Android Auto. Yeah. And, no. Just, just <laughs> straight to the liquor store. Siri's <laughs> a bit of a, a boozer. Yeah. Um, okay, well, that's fantastic. So, Andy, how can people find out about what you're up to and uh, more about Rate Filter? Yeah. I mean, if uh, we're looking for feedback on rate filter, so uh, launching some stuff today, uh, new homepage and some new UX and that sort of stuff on the back end. If anyone wants to check it out, feel free. That's ratefilter.ca. And then shoot me an email at andy at ratefilter.ca as that's where I'll be taking feedback from initial users trying to build this thing out into Expedia. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much, Andy. That was that was great. Thanks for having me. Take the wheel, Siri. <laughs> So there you have it, folks, our discussion with RateFilter.ca's Andy Hill. Really enjoyed having Andy down to the studio. A really great perspective from the front lines, in the trenches, as a mortgage broker, dealing with all sorts of uh, financing issues this complicated year in real estate. Right, yeah. And hopefully uh, we put a lot of that to bed. We are at the end of 2023. Yeah, it was great having Andy down in Kokomo Studios. Adam, you are already, we should say this is the last episode of 2023. You are already in your own personal Kokomo, somewhere undisclosed, where it's too hot almost, is what you told me. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting a couple weeks of Kokomo in here uh, before year's end. And yeah, I got to say, not missing Vancouver right now. <laughs> World's smallest violin. It's it's almost too <laughs> hot. Uh, the beach is almost, it, the sand is almost too white, I heard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my, it was too hot for my feet. <laughs> <laughs> so this is it. Uh, that's the end of 2023. What else do we have before we go? One, 2024, we've already lined up months worth of programming. We're coming in stronger than ever. I, we're going on year nine. I'm so excited about 2024. Stay tuned for that. We got a banger coming out right out front the gates and and a number of great shows lined up after that. We also have VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com for all things real estate related. We have things like, well, the back catalog with a search function. You can search by topic. We also have the Livewire. This is our weekly newsletter where you get deal of the month stats before anyone else, different types of stats, VIP pre-sale access. There's, there's basically no reason why you shouldn't be on the live wire. We also have, of course, tried and true private client services. Yeah, Matt, because if you're not using PCS, you are standing still with the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information for free at your fingertips. Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Click buy with us and set up your own free PCS account. This will be the last time I say this this year. Really, it's been a great year. A ton of guests that and a ton of shows that I would say will go down as some of my favorites uh, of all time. And uh, episode 400 last week, which we appreciate everybody who's reached out. Big milestone for us. I can't believe it's been 400 episodes. I can't believe it's been eight years doing this. So we appreciate everybody hanging around for 2023. We're excited what 2024 brings. Anything else you want to say before we uh, end for the day? Well, usually I say happy holidays, but I will include Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Excellent. How can people get in touch with you? 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. And of course, we have that Kokomo line info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Man, I'm not answering that Kokomo line right now, (laughs) even though I'm in Kokomo. 
somebody will get it and it will be me. <laughs> <laughs> so have a good, have a good rest of the year, everyone. Uh, relax, recharge, and we'll see you back here at the beginning of 2024. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today.